Mm. You know, uh, that, that, that's such a par- powerful image of uh, the darkness trembling at the name of Jesus. Wow. And uh, that's the inspiration and the, just that thought is the inspiration of this new sermon series. We're starting today. It's going to carry us through Christmas called Christmas Lights. Uh, all about the light that came at Christmas. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a few minutes. We're going to move right into our sermon today. Um, but before we do that, I, want, I just want to make, you, make, you, make this clear uh, that we are going, after the first of the year, we're going to start our new paradigm. We're going to start our new schedule, our new shift in times and times. And I just kind of want to walk through that, what that will look like on Sundays, starting on January 12th. All right. At nine o'clock. So this whole shift is going to occur at nine o'clock. There will be a in that block. There will be a Bible. There will be time for Bible study, Sunday school and a worship service. The service that currently is in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock, will be in the sanctuary at 9 o'clock. We have called that through the past the blended service. So the service that is going on right now over in the big room, the sanctuary, is the blended service. And that service from now on, well, at least in the foreseeable future, will be at 9 o'clock in the same place. All right, is that clear as mud? 9 o'clock, it will move from 11 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Same place, all right? And there will be Bible study. There will be Bible study going on uh, throughout the campus, for, all right, at Sunday school, all right? Then at 10.15, we will have a f- church-wide opportunity for fellowship. You know, we've talked about and in, the importance of a church, an intentional church is to intentionally fellowship. And it is about so much more than donuts and coffee. That's meant only to enhance. The actual fellowship is sharing, having an opportunity to share life together with folks that you might not, you might not have that opportunity to. For Sunday school classes who are intentional about fellowshipping with one another, having the opportunity to fellowship with other Sunday school classes in that 30-minute period. Okay, one of those fellowship times will be right over here, right back here. You can see we sort of started that uh, that setup already. We have some new furniture and things like that. We have some people enjoying that furniture right now during worship. All right. So that's there. That's there. And we have opportunity for intentional conversation and fellowship to occur here and over in the other fellowship area will be over in the old part of the. Uh, church it was a you know right underneath the chapel which was the church's original fellowship hall it's called the buckhannon room we call the buck that's cool and hip it's over in the buck so it'll be in the hall and in the buck have opportunities in two places in our on our campus to have fellowship then at 10 45 this service will will have just like it is right now with just like it looks, will be over in the 
big room at 1045. And then there will be also Sunday school going on during that hour. So those who went to worship in the early block can go to Sunday school in the late block. Those who went to Sunday school in the early block can go to worship in the late block with the opportunity to fellowship in between. Does that make sense? All of this, all of this is to make room to, for growth in both services and in our Sunday school. All right. So that's what we're going to do uh, coming up on January 12th. All right, January 12th. January 5th, the Sunday before it, we'll have our, our last uh, co combined, so well, not, maybe not the last, but we're going to have a combined service to kind of kick that off, okay? So this week and the next two weeks, we'll have worship in the hall right here, okay? Does that make sense? That's what we're going to be doing, all right? So my email is Derek at, first at, Derek at fbcvision.com. For your questions, for questions, you can email me there, okay? This is what I'd ask you to do also. In the next few weeks, be sure if you have questions that you email me or you can call me, okay? Um, but 10 minutes before a service starts on Sunday morning, don't take me to the side and tell me all that's wrong with that. Or don't take me aside and, and say, hey, this is why I don't like it. Or, I, you know, don't, don't, please don't do that. Just, can y'all just take care of me that way? If you'll take care of me by sending me an email during the week or giving me a call, um, I will be happy to answer any questions. I can meet with you, all right? But before, but before worship on Sunday morning, I got my mind kind of set on worship and ready to go, okay? And that's what I want to be focused on. Because the most important thing on a, for me in a, on, a, on a day like this, on, on, when, when, when I have the privilege to preach, is to handle God's Word properly. And I don't want, I, I, I want my focus to be on that. Does that make sense? You should want that. You should want that for, your, for the person who's delivering God's Word. To not be distracted by things, but to be able to focus on God's Word, right? And those who are leading in worship and playing instruments and singing and all that, you should want their focus to be on that. Because this is what's most important. All during the week, though, you let me know what your questions are. And I'm, it's my pleasure. It's my, I'm happy to help during the week. Amen? Let's just take care of each other that way. All right? So here we go with our Christmas, our Christmas series. Christmas lights. And today, we're, we're going to talk about a nightlight. Nightlight. You know, when your kids come to you, you know, or when your kids came to you, or one day when your kids come to you, if, you're, if they're little, or one day when you have kids, they don't come to you in the middle of the night and say, Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared of the light. Uh, the light makes me so scared. I want to crawl up in the bed with you. And then we don't, in response to that, go get um, night darks to put in their rooms to make them feel better, right? It's quite the opposite. When our kids come to us, they're scared of the dark. They're scared of the dark. And we go and get these little bitty lights of maybe 15 amps or less, or whatever watts or whatever they are, the bulbs are. They're less. They're just tiny, tiny little pin lights. But you put that light in that dark room, and the 
it brightens it up. It's amazing how the darkness runs from the light. It's amazing how the light overcomes darkness. You know, <clears throat> you can't get rid of light by adding darkness. The only way you can get rid of light is to remove the light. Darkness is powerless over light. And at the name of Jesus, darkness trembles. Trembles. And today we want to talk about the power of that light that came at Christmas. Before we do, let's pray. God, here we are in your presence. Illuminate us with who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, if you're here today and you're searching for Christ, or you're just searching, you don't know what you're searching for. You just know it's Christmas and Christmas is hitting you this year like a sledgehammer. And you just want to, you've heard about church, or maybe you went to church when you were little, or maybe your grandma's been praying for you, or whatever, and you, you know, you're just outside of, you know, church dumb. I just want to tell you, thank you for being, I just want to say to you, thank you for being here. God bless you. I want to tell you about Jesus today. And if you're here today, and you're a follower of Christ, or, or, you're a member of this church, you're a long-time attender, and you're, you're still feeling sort of this heaviness. I want the light of Christ to shine in you today. All right? So let's read about that. And the Gospel of John. You know, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. This is a great, I just love this imagery of, the, of, of Christ coming at Christmas. And you understand that John, this is the la not only is the last Gospel, it's the last book written. In the, in the, in the, uh, for the Bible. John was late in his life. And he sat down and wrote his gospel. So he had years, decades after spending time with Christ. And walking with him. After he'd written his 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. His letters. And the book of Revelations. After all of that. Walking with Christ. He wrote his gospel. And this is how he began the gospel john chapter 1 verse 1 through 5 look in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the word the word word is capitalized because that's jesus all right he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So we're just establishing who Jesus is. Okay? Then he says, In him was life. Alright? And the life was the light of men. Now look at this, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it wow wow 
I, I told the band earlier I was going to go to kind of a nerdy place here and talk about verb tenses. So if you're a teacher here today, or especially an English teacher, just goody. I know, I know an English teacher in the sound booth. But anyway, look, look. When, when John is referring to the light, he's saying, he's, he says that the light shines. That tense is the present continuous tense or the present progressive tense. This is the tense of a verb that says it is happening now. It has always been happening and it will continue to happen in the future. It is the present continuous tense that the light shines. It just shines. It's just what it does. It has, it does, and it will always shine in the darkness. Now look at when he refers to the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it the darkness could not overcome it your your version of scripture today may have different words there but there i'm I'm going to talk about that in just a second but look it is that tense is the past perfect tense so when the darkness encountered the light it could not overcome it it could not comprehend it Past perfect tense means that that action was completed. Done. The darkness didn't know what to do with the light. Still doesn't know what to do with the light. Will never be able to comprehend or overcome the light. Done. It has happened in the past and it was past perfect. So that action was perfected. It is done and over with. Could not overcome, could not comprehend. You understand, the darkness, when it encountered the light of Jesus Christ, didn't have a clue what to do with it. No understanding, didn't have have the, the slightest inkling on how to fight, to contend with, to overcome this power for light its only option when encountering the light is to go away it doesn't even get the opportunity to retreat it just is dispelled by the light that is the power of the light that has come you cannot cannot overcome light with darkness the only way is to remove the light And that's what happened at Christmas when Jesus came. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Cannot, will not overcome it. That's powerful. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas is so much more than baby Jesus. This is the full-on, absolute and total, brutal destruction of darkness when Jesus is given to us at Christmas. It is God's complete and total assault that the enemy has zero defense, doesn't even have a comprehension of how to begin to defend against this assault. 
That is what happened at Christmas. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So there are three truths. That's just the introduction, and I've already had opportunity to scream and holler and amen and cry. But there are three truths that we want, I want you to just hold on to today. If you look in your notes, you can, in, in your worship guide, there are places where you can fill in the blanks. And just fill in the blanks as we go. This is really, really cool stuff. It's the kind of stuff that you can share maybe with your family as you get together for Christmas. But look, let's, let's check out these three truths about this, this night light, this, shot, this, this light that shines in the darkness. Truth number one. Ready? Jesus is the life giver. Jesus is the life giver. Look at verse 4, uh, 4a uh, in, in what we've just uh, read. In Him was life. In Him was life life look what look what jesus says about the light being life what he says to martha you know martha mary and martha they were the sisters of lazarus you remember and they just loved jesus jesus loved them and lazarus got sick and died and jesus came to them and he you know the rest of the story. He spoke and Lazarus was raised to life. Look, look what he says in John chapter 11, 25. To, but before he was raised, before he was raised from the dead, this is what he said to Martha. He said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This is what Jesus says about the life to those who are grieving. To you who are grieving this Christmas. Maybe grief is fresh. Fresh to you. Last Sunday night, maybe you heard. Maybe you heard. As we were preparing to begin the second part of our Christmas music, uh, uh, one uh, a dear, dear member of our church, Dr. Larry Flegel, was sitting in his chair ready to play his euphonium. And Jesus called him home. Right there on our stage. Massive heart attack. He had played his horn at the 3 o'clock service and was getting ready to do it again. But he went to be with Jesus. Now, if you ask Larry, if we had an opportunity to ask him, are you grieving? He would say, nope. Best Christmas ever. I'm with Jesus. And I'm not sick. My heart doesn't hurt anymore. I'm not worried about tomorrow being my last day. I'm running barefoot through the grass of heaven. And I've never played my horn so beautifully. But Jan, his sweet bride of 50 years... This is going to be a different Christmas, right? Hard. She's grieving. The, the man that she had a love affair with for half a century. She's grieving. To her and to others like her, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Jesus is the life giver. And that's what he said to Martha. Look what he said to Thomas. To Thomas. And this is, this is taken again from the Gospel of John. And he's, Jesus is about to go to the crucifixion. He's about to go to be betrayed in the garden. And he's got all the disciples in the upper room. And he's just telling them, hey guys, you know where I'm, I'm, boy, I'm about to do something. I'm about to do something. And I want to just get you ready. You know, I, I know we've been hanging out for three years, but look, it is coming right down to it. Listen to me. And he says, he's saying to them, look, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas is like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is what he says. He says, how? We don't know where you're going. And you're going away. How are we supposed to know how, where to go? To, to, the, to Thomas, to the uncertain, to the confused. Jesus says, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Hey, this Christmas, you may be confused. You may be uncertain about your future, about what comes next, about does he love me? Does she love me? Is he going to stay? Is she going to leave? You may be uncertain about that final that you just took. Or you're about to take. Maybe you're uncertain about your company's future. Maybe you're uncertain about your future. Maybe you're facing some health things that are, feel like such an uphill battle. And you say, say to Jesus like Thomas did. I don't know what to do. I don't know where you're going. I don't know how to go to you. Like he says to Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. This Christmas, Jesus is the life bearer. To the grieving, he's the life bearer. To the uncertain and confused. And look what he says to a crowd. To a lost and searching world in John 10, verse 10. And this is the message that we have to be taking to the world. Our seats should be full. Our rooms at Bible study should be full. Because we're taking this message to the world. The thief, look, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I come. That they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what he's. So, the, at Christmas, Jesus is the life giver. He, he, he says, I give life to the grieving, I give life to the uncertain and the confused, and I give life to a lost and searching world. So, truth number one is Jesus is the life giver. Look at truth. Number two, truth number two is that Jesus is the light bearer. He's the life giver and he's the light bearer. Look at the uh, second part of verse four. Second part of verse four says this. He, Jesus, 
It says, I am the life, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The, Jesus is the life, eternal life, and abundant life. Eternal life begins now. Now. Not later, not in this sweet by and by. Your eternal life is now. He's that, and he is a light bearer. Look what he, look what, what does light do? Maybe you have that question in your in your notes. Maybe you have it in your, in your mind. What does that mean? What does the light bearer do? Let me tell. Well, first of all, the light exposes. Light exposes. What does the light do? It exposes. Look at John chapter 3, verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed <clears throat> the light exposes it exposes when that bright light of god's glory shines on our life it's this hurts it, it shows us where we come so 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 short it shows me where i come short in my thought life it comes it exposes me where i come short where i miss the opportunity to share my story with others, it, expo it exposes where I've come short in being the husband to Leanne that I need to be. It, it exposes where I come short, where I need to be the father to Chance and Claire and Cooper that I need to be, the minister that I need to be, where I've, where I, where I've spoken harshly, where I have been unclear in, in how I've tried to communicate. How, however, God, the, the light exposes those things. Before I'm a and before I'm a follower of Christ, the light exposes my, my greatest need. That I am dead. I am the walking dead. I know some of you are right now going to your favorite episode. Come back. But I am the walking dead. I'm a dead man walking. And it exposes that, my deepest need, which is life. You remember Jesus? The life bearer. So one, it exposes. Two, it separates. The light separates. Look at John chapter 3 verse 19. It says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, right? And people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It separates. See, at this point, when the light exposes, this is where we have the choice. We can choose the light and go to the one who is the source of the light, or we can choose darkness. We can choose the darkness that is already defeated because we think that's better. We think that is life when it's really death. We think that is victory when it's really defeat. We think that's freedom when it's really bondage. It separates. Another place in the Gospels, in Matthew, it talks about the sheep and the goats. In that day, they'll be separated. You know, shepherds will shepherd sheep and goats together 
But when it comes at certain times, the sheep and the goats have to be separated. You don't shear a goat. You shear a sheep. And that day, there will be a separation. All right? Not only does it sep- expose and separate, the light leads to belief. Look at John again. You're going to see a theme here. We're in the book of John a lot. John chapter 12, verse 36 says, While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light and daughters. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. It leads us to belief. When you're exposed to the light and it, you, and you have make that choice. Well, I want to be, I want to follow the source of that light. And when you do that, you believe in the one. You believe in the one who can fix all the things that the light exposes. You can take it away. Create something new, which is the next thing that the light does. Not only does it expose, separate, and then lead to belief, but it delivers. The light delivers. Look what uh, the Bible says in John chapter 12, 46. Later in the same chapter, he says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The light takes you from the darkness. It dispels it and brings you into light. So it exposes, it separates, it leads to belief, it delivers, and then finally it transforms. The light transforms. Look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not only are you delivered, but you're transformed. You see the process? Do you see that process? The process of following Christ? The process of leaving the darkness? What the light does? How it exposes? How it, how it separates? But then it, in that process, if we stay with the process, if we choose... It delivers. It leads to belief. It delivers. And then it transforms. I am becoming made more like Christ. More and more of who I am in my flesh is perishing. And I'm becoming more and more like Christ. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He said, I am, I've been transformed. He said, I have died but, and, uh, to my, and, and I live again in the spirit. The old is passed away. The new has come. This, and as I follow Christ, as I follow hard after Christ and he transforms me, 
into the husband, into the father, into the minister, into the brother, into the son, into the student, into the teacher, into the employee, into the employer that God has for me to be. Uh, the answer is Jesus. Here's a big thought. Ready? You might write this down. The light of Jesus isn't here to hurt or humiliate us. The light of Jesus isn't here to hurt or humiliate us. The light of Jesus is here to expose us. So the life of Jesus can transform us. The light of Jesus is here to expose us. So the life of Jesus can transform us. Praise God. So Jesus, one, is the life, is the life giver. Two, he's the light bearer. And three, make this, let me make this clear. Darkness is the villain. Darkness is the villain. Satan is, and the in the words of the scripture, the power of darkness. Satan is the power of darkness. He's the prince of darkness. Don't let Ozzy Osbourne tell you that he's the prince of darkness. The prince of darkness, baby. That's, that's reserved for Satan. That's a pretty bad Ozzy imitation. Satan is the power of darkness. Satan causes spiritual blindness. He cannot defeat the light, but he will do whatever he can to make us blind to the light. Satan cannot defeat the light. But he will do whatever he can to make us blind to the light. He will appeal to all the of all that is still fleshly in us and appeal to that. There's this war. There's this battle that's going on inside in the in the eternal part of who we are. To get us to react through our flesh. To what we are experiencing in our world. Instead of pausing. To respond. Through the spirit. Holy spirit. To what is happening. To us in our world. When we pause. Then we can engage that which is eternal about us. Our mind and our will and our emotions. That which has been made in the image of God. That which separates us from every other every other thing that he has created. So it makes us different from animals and plants and whatever else. We have a mind and a will and emotions. We have a thinker, we have a feeler, and we have a decider. And when you, when you pause and allow that which is eternal to engage, then you're able to respond through the Holy Spirit to your world. When we just act like this, You're reacting more often than not through the flesh. 
which is controlled by the power of darkness in our world. Satan causes spiritual blindness which keeps us in spiritual darkness. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Look at this. And even if our gospel is veiled, this is Paul speaking, if it's veiled, if somehow you can put a blanket over it, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The God of this world, Satan. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is the villain. Satan, darkness, is the villain. Do not make the mistake this Christmas. If you're searching, if, if you're searching for answers, if you're confused and <clears throat> uncertain, if you are grieving this Christmas, do not make the mistake of that God who exposes, separates, leads to belief, delivers, and transforms us with His light is the villain. He is not. God is not the villain. Darkness is the villain. Satan is the villain. Not the light. Not the life giver. Or the light bearer. God is the answer. His son Jesus is our savior. Darkness. Satan is the villain. It's Satan's lie to tell you. That if God were such a loving God. Why do kids get cancer? Why, why did my sister die in a car accident? Why did my husband cheat on me and have an affair why did my wife leave me for a younger guy why 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 did my boss fire me why did my why was i passed over for the promotion why do i have the physical ailments that i have if god was a loving god it's a lie it's a lie from satan the life giver and the light bearer Jesus never, ever, ever promised that he would take you out of your circumstances and take you and put you in the promised land. He never, ever, ever said that. Ever. He never, ever, ever promised you longevity. He never, ever promised you perfect health or the perfect job or the perfect marriage or the perfect kids. Never, ever, ever did Jesus promise any of that. But this is what he did promise. He promised you grace. Grace when you fall. Grace when they fall. And mercy when you hurt. And mercy when they hurt. He promised, this is what He does promise, that no matter what you face, no matter where you face it, I will be with you. And I will be the light in your darkness. 
That's what he promises. Why is what am I telling you important today? It's because the light shows us God's grace. His grace. Jesus gives us something we could never get on our own. He gives us salvation, which we can never find on our own. And then the light shows us where to go when we could never find it. He provides what we need and He shows us the way. That is God's grace in the midst of our hurt and darkness. He provides grace and He provides mercy. Jesus gives us something better than we deserve. What we deserve is, are the consequences of, the, of our choices when we choose darkness over light. We, we, we deserve the consequences. What we think should happen is that we can choose to live our life However we want to, and because God is an okay guy, He'll let me go to heaven anyway. That's what we, that's what we believe. If we're not careful. It's not true. It's not true. God gives us grace. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. See, in that verse is the Gospel. The reason why we would perish is because we can't save ourselves because we've chosen darkness over light. But because God, for God so loved he gave His Son the life giver, the light bearer. That whoever believes in Him, not in the darkness, not in believes in Himself, not, you know, we were talking about this just this morning in our new member class. At the very root of sin is selfishness. Sin is actually the attitude that I want what I want when I want it. Doggone it. And then what we do, the action... The actions we commit because of that are terrible, terrible consequences to that choice. The actions are just sort of the ramifications of the attitude that I am God and not God. That I will have it my way. And what that deserves is death. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that in spite of our tendency, when we act in our natural bent, we will choose what we want over what God wants. In spite of that, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus as the antidote to pay that, that debt that we couldn't pay. So we wouldn't have to die. We don't have to die. We can have eternal life. Which begins now. That's what I invite you to today. This Christmas. What would be. Hey.
guys. What would be the best gift you could give to your wife and your kids this Christmas? Following Christ. You give your heart to Christ. All of you. The best thing, dads, men, that you can do for your family is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then to love your family that way. It's the best gift. Ladies, what's the best thing you can do this Christmas? Christmas. Best gift you can give. It's the same thing. I wish my husband would come with me to church. I wish he would pray with me. I wish he would. I wish he would. I wish. You focus on being the wife, the mom, God has called you to be the best gift you can give is to fall in love with Jesus this Christmas kids you know there, there's this struggle I know in your home your job is to go to school your job is you know to be a, a good student to pass those finals, to, 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 and we, and we play sports and things like that. You just not allow room for cutting grass or babysitting sometimes, or having a part-time job, and you don't have any cash. And I, you know, I want to give my parents something. You know, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you've thought this, that you actually, some of you have actually thought that you might want to give your parents something for Christmas, giving you the benefit of the doubt. What can you do? Let me tell you what will thrill your mom. And your dad. If you'll go to your parents. And you say. Will you pray for me? I want to be the young man. Or the young lady. God's called me to be. I want to make a difference in my school. I want to make a difference in my job. Would you find some time to open the Word with me? Let's, let's do a devotion together. You know, you may live in a different county, a different city, a different state. Goodness gracious, with social media, with all this stuff, we, you can do devotions together no matter where you are. You want to you wanna, you wanna put wind in your parents' sails this Christmas, kids? Ask your mom or your dad or both to disciple you. Sit with me. Pray with me. Open the word with me.
then you can give them a you know five dollar gift card to Duncan or to Zaxby's or something. I'm sure I left out a lot of businesses right then. Shouldn't have, should have started naming any. But you do that. You give them that. You give them a heart that desires Christ this Christmas. That you say to them, Mom, Dad, I want the life giver and the light bearer this Christmas. Will you help me? And dads, you do that. And moms, you do that. And you, what a Christmas. Amen? Now, if you're here today and you're searching, the best gift you can give yourself, the best gift you can give anyone, is to follow Christ. I'm asking you to, to let John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that who believe, whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Make that true about you this Christmas. I'm offering that to you today. You come. This altar is open for prayer. You come. Let's seek the life giver and the light bearer today, this Christmas, and every day. Let's stand together.